I'm Robin Gallagher and welcome to Ripples. Throughout our program, a series of guest speakers will share words of wisdom from their life experience and we will offer you a series of meditations so that you can take some time just to stop and listen to that voice within, that voice of the Spirit. So come and enjoy some inspired voices and treasured stillness and allow the ripple effect to begin. Welcome back to Ripples. I am thrilled to welcome Father Lawrence Freeman back onto our program today. Lawrence is a Benedictine monk and the spiritual guide and director of the World Community for Christian Meditation. He is an international speaker and retreat leader and is the author of many articles and books. Lawrence currently lives in Bonvo, which is the International Meditation and Retreat Centre of the World Community for Christian Meditation, based in southwest France. Today, I will speak to Lawrence from Wollongong in Australia, and Lawrence is speaking from Bonvo. Unlike other episodes, this conversation will be a Zoom conversation and will be presented in two parts. In last week's episode, Lawrence explored the practice of Christian meditation, and in this second episode, he will offer some insights on the importance of building a contemplative society. In addition to supporting the teaching of Christian meditation with adults all over the world, Lawrence is regarded as someone who is leading the teaching of meditation to children and students as part of the recovery of the contemplative wisdom tradition in the church and in society at large. I warmly welcome Lawrence today as he so generously shares his story, experience and deep wisdom. Lawrence, it is such a joy to have you on the program today and to share a conversation with you about Christian meditation. Well, thank you, Robin. It's, uh, uh, thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be with you. Lawrence, as you mentioned, I'm a mother of, of three children, a busy household, and I work with a lot of teachers and our listeners come from a range of different professions, uh, very busy people. Uh, sometimes uh, myself or others might say, I just don't have time to meditate. Uh, Lawrence, how do you tend to respond when that that is sort of raised? I mean, I know for myself, I'll, I'll often encourage people to to start small or just small steps. How, how do you respond or support people when they're when they're trying to navigate their, the desires there, but they're struggling with the the calls to to the various elements in their lives? Well, it is challenging, and you know, culturally. Um, it's a challenge to us too because we're not trained to think that we are using our time usefully yes. when by sitting, doing nothing. Mm. Especially if at the beginning it seems maybe a waste of time because your mind is very distracted. Mm. So it's very understandable and everybody has felt that. And I know it's easy to think, well, you're a monk, You've got nothing else to do all day except sit around and meditate. But you know, we, we live real lives and we're busy people. Yes. But I can I could I could put <laughs> I've met many monks who have said to me, 
they're too busy to meditate mm. because of all the offices they have to do, you know, all the prayer times they have to do and, and the work they have to do in the monastery and, mm. and guests and everything else. I just can't find time to meditate. Mm. Or I'm so tired when I do meditate that I fall asleep. So it, it, it is pretty much a universal problem. Mm. I have a friend uh, who was general counsel at the IMF in Washington for many years. And he used to come and speak to MBA students that we teach to meditate at Georgetown University. And he would come as a guest speaker and he would, he would speak about how meditation has become part of his life and helped him professionally and also personally and spiritually. Yeah. And they were amazed uh, that this icon of success and, you know, the top of the financial profession yes. uh, was speaking so seriously about a, a, a discipline of meditation. Mm. And they asked him, how do you do it? How do you make time? Mm. And he kind of shrugged his shoulders and he said, look, if you want to do something, if it's a priority, you will do it. Yes. yes. It's true of anything in life. Yes. He said, if I'm sitting at my desk and the managing director of the IMF, who was Christine Lagarde at the time, mm. uh, phones me and says, Sean, I, I need to see you. He says, I don't say I haven't got time. No. He said, no. I'll be right there. Yes. So that's the attitude, I think. Um, we have to, if you feel a motivation to meditate, mm. that is a gift, just the motivation. Yes, the desire, yes. Then the desire to do it. Take that as a good sign. Yes. Then you'll say, ah, yeah, but I can't. Well, then accept that gift, nourish the motivation. Mm if you're serious about it. Yes. And be prepared for the fact that you'll start and stop and start again. You know, this, this is part of a learning process. Yes. One of the things we have to learn, if you want to learn to meditate, is to give up the idea of success. Mm, yes. And to embrace what may seem to your ego at first as failure. Mm. but embrace that failure humbly yes. and you turn it into a triumph over the ego. Yes. That's how it works. If you think I'm going to master this damn thing, I'm mm. going to meditate if it kills me, you know, <laughs> your ego is in control. Yes, yes. But if you can let go of that success orientation, you'll find it flows much more easily. Mm. Mm. And as you say, you know, if you find, you know, I have met many people, including students, who will say they are too stressed, mm. they're too distracted, they're too hyper, mm. they're too wired, you know, yes. uh, to sit still for 20 minutes. Mm. So I would say, well, do it for 15 minutes, yes. do it for 10 minutes. Yes. And if you really can't do it for 10 minutes, do it for five minutes. Yeah. Uh, and if it's really terrible, do it for one minute. Yes. You just and if you, can't, if you can't do it for one minute every day, then do it one minute a year. So a regular practice is, is the thing to aim for, mm. and then you'll find it will, it will grow yes. by itself. Yes. 
Lawrence, in terms of that sort of um, motivation and desire for meditation, our diocese is is very interested in the in offering uh, Christian meditation to to our students, and there are a lot of schools who are beginning to practice already, and more schools who are eager to to do more in this area as well. Um, in terms of this, what what do you believe is the value of the practice for young children? I think there you cannot put a price tag on it. No. I don't think we could even begin to be aware of how valuable mm. this is for children. Mm. And I would I would look at that from two points of view. One from the point of view of their spiritual formation, their faith formation. We know that, you know, many of the children in Catholic schools are not, uh, you know, don't come from practicing families. So um, I think at the spiritual level and the level of faith formation, this is foundational. And the beautiful thing is it's entirely inbuilt. The children have this capacity, unless you become like a little child. Yes. They have this capacity built into them. We, of course, think we've lost it, so we can't believe that the children could do this because we find it so difficult. Mm. Well, wake up. Yes. And just realize, learn from these little ones. Mm. And I think if... You, what we are doing is allowing them, I don't, wouldn't even say we're teaching them, obviously you have to give them a, a, a framework, a, a framework or, and instruction yeah. and so on. But meditating in the classroom within the safety of the classroom and the learning group that they belong to is perfect, perfect uh, opportunity for them to learn and to meditate, you know, for all of their years yes. in school. We're then sending out into the world... What a gift. ...people of a contemplative orientation. If we're facing a huge civilizational crisis at the moment, mm. COVID is nothing mm. compared with the bigger crisis it's part of. It's a wake-up call. Yes. And look at our leaders, or many of our leaders. Mm. We are, we are being, you know, it's like realizing that the person driving the bus is drunk or mm. insane. Mm. <laughs> so we are really in this crisis. And, and I'm not saying, as I said, meditation isn't the magic bullet. That no, but it's... What we, it's what we urgently need is to develop a contemplative orientation towards the solution or towards the, the approach to these problems. Yes. So there's wisdom and yes. Wisdom, yeah. and this year we're having the John Main seminar this year is will be online. It's been uh, hosted by our community in Mexico mm. and it's an indigenous wisdom for modern people. Oh wow. There's a wonderful Jesuit, Jesuit priest, anthropologist called Alex Zedeka, who is uh, the principal presenter, mm. and he spent many years working with the indigenous people in the hills of Chiapas in, in uh, Mexico. And um, I, I think this, this is one aspect of what we can do to 
restore a sense of direction and hope in our world. That is to be open to the wisdom of these indigenous traditions. Yes. But in order for that to work, mm. we have to develop a contemplative yes. critical mass. Yes. Contemplative people, like your children, mm. who are learning to meditate with you. Mm. That's building up not only a contemplative church, but a contemplative society. Yes. Uh, it's open to this wisdom and open to the guidance of the spirit and and basically restoring us to common sense yes, yes. and self-control. No, I couldn't agree more, Lawrence. And, Lawrence, what would you say to any school uh, that is wanting to take up this practice? What, what suggestions would you offer to them in terms of starting out? Well, we're, we're developing in, in the WCCM. We, we've, we have, uh, in Australia, of course, has led the way in this from, yes. from the Diocese of Townsville. Yes, uh, extraordinary work. Michael Putney and uh, Kathy Day and Ernie Christie, yes. you know, were really pioneered this. It, it spread globally. Yes. Now, I know that Townsville is not the biggest diocese in Australia or the world, but God uses the small well, to, to confound the great. That's so right. Australia has really led the way. 30 or 40 countries, quite well-developed programs for, with the principal among the staff build on that. Yes. Teachers sometimes feel, oh, it's just one other thing I've got to do. And so we have to try to help them to understand why this can be a gift for them as well. Yes. At the same time, help them to see by direct observation the effect of meditation on the children. First of all, that the children can meditate. Mm. Yes. That they like to meditate. Mm. And the benefits, both personally, individually for the children, and for the school, for the spirit of the school. Anne Graham uh, in Lismore Diocese yes. has I've done some great research. It's extraordinary. Research. So the evidence is very plain to yeah. see. What it needs is a people, individuals, mm. who will uh, help it into the system. Um, uh, Archbishop uh, Christopher Prowse in Canberra, for example, yes. uh, has understood this. He's a meditator himself. Yes. He's understood this. He's, he's supporting it, developing it. But of course, even then, even with the support of the diocese and the Catholic education office like you, yes. it still has to get into the school. Yes. So um, I, I would say we're, we're developing a, a sense of a, a form of a, a program. Yes. It could be a nine-month or one-year program. You will find that the children will ask for the meditation. They yes, like it. Yes, I've They'll seen say, that already. What yes. about meditation? Yes, that's right. And have you found that? I mean, that's I, I have, Lawrence, absolutely. Yes, and, and often the unexpected ones that ask for it too. Yes. I was in um, South Africa. Yes. And I was in a, a classroom. They hadn't meditated before. They asked me to introduce uh, it to this particular school and and... We meditated with the children. They were nine-year-olds. 
and we meditated maybe for the first time for maybe five or seven minutes, but mm. I could see that they were very still, actually. Yes. Anyway, uh, children don't have lots of complicated questions. No. Um, in fact, they usually don't have any questions about meditation. You just tell them, sit down, sit still now. Mm. You, know, you can help them to prepare for that. Close your eyes, say your word. We give them the word Maranatha, the same word. Yes. And we're going to meditate for five minutes or ten minutes. Or... Depending on the age. And then after the meditation, I did say, would anyone like to say anything? Anyone who got any comments? Mm. And one boy put up his hand and he, sa he said in this just kind of observational tone of voice, you know, I don't think we have ever been so quiet in this room ever. <laughs> oh, from <laughs> the now <laughs> I know, and he was happy with that. You know, <laughs> I can they are, that. they're hungry, they're yes, thirsty for stillness. Absolutely. Yes. And then a little more painful, poignantly, another boy put up his hand mm. and he was moving his hands like this, sort of shaking them like that. Mm. And he said, when I, again, it was just an observation. When I was meditating, uh, I didn't have to use my hands. Uh. I didn't know what he meant. But the teacher told me afterwards that this yes. nine-year-old boy yes. had acquired an addiction to video games. Right, yes, yes. So much so that Often he, he couldn't come to school in, in the morning because he had, didn't have enough sleep. Yes. And I think what he was saying was during the day when he's not at his computer, yes. he is playing with his hands in his head like uh, that, you know, yes, on the video yes, game yes. in his head. And I think what he was describing was for those few minutes of meditation because he could take the attention off his obsessive yes. thoughts. And bring it he was free. Yes. He was free. It brought a freedom. Mm. What a wonderful and, story. You know, and apart from anything else, I know teachers have a hard profession now and mm -hmm. lots of government interference sometimes and lots of stress and many forms to fill out and all that. But I honestly believe from the way I've spoken with teachers for many countries and many places is that um, it helps to restore the teacher to the initial love of their profession, yes. of their vocation. Yes. How very true, Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence, just as, as a final, final question, I wonder mm. if you would have any parting words for for the Australian community today, as, as we endeavour to live contemplative during, you know, during this time of, of the pandemic? Well, it is a challenge. It is a cross to carry. Mm. When is it going to end? What are the consequences going to be? Mm. Will I get it? Will somebody I love get it? Yes. So this is a difficult difficult time mm -hmm. how long will the vaccine take mm -hmm. but it is also a 
opportunity. Yes. And what is the opportunity? And many people have already begun to learn what can be learned from this time. Yes, yes. I, I heard a statistic the other day, I'm not quite sure where, that only 12% of the youth to the way things were. Yes. Before the pandemic. Yes. So that means we've all learned something about how to live differently. Yes, I absolutely. Did you feel that? Oh, and, definitely, Lawrence. I mean, the first thing that we realised when we started our, our COVID website called A Contemplative Path Through the Crisis was that people were, were looking for a spiritual dimension uh, out of desperation sometimes. Yes. They were locked up. Yes. And the first thing that w we we advised them to do was create a, create a, um, a timetable oh, for yourself. How, one, how practical and how helpful. And, uh, and build into that timetable your times of meditation. Mm. And, you know, many people said, yes, we did that. It was very helpful, but it only lasted three days. <laughs> but, okay, well, that's life. You, then you come back to it or you re, yes. are more, more realistic yes. about what you can do. I think that's, uh, that's the best advice uh, I could give. And, but I think there is a real grace at work in this. Mm. It's, you know, the COVID virus is not a bad thing. Mm. It's not a good thing. It's just a thing. Yes. It's what we make of it. Yes. It's not punishment. No. It's not uh, God's anger with us. It's just no. a thing. Yes. Maybe we help to create it by our... Mm and so on, we don't know. But uh, I think there is a real grace at work enabling us to, um, to learn a lesson about how we can live more healthily, yes. more simply, with less. Yes. And God knows we have to learn this because of the environmental crisis that we're, we're plunging into. Yes. We have to learn to do less and use less. Yes. But less is more. Yes, yes, yes. We will get more out of life. Yeah. At a personal level, at a spiritual level, yes. at a creative level, if mm. we can learn this lesson. Mm. Lawrence, we are just so very, very grateful for your time. Thank you for your wisdom and your presence and uh, just your generosity, Lawrence. We... We will pray for you and your community and uh, we look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for your work and it's great to see you, Rob. Thank okay. you so much, Lawrence. All the very best. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. God bless. Thank you for joining our program today. If you'd like to take some time now or later in the week to enjoy some treasured stillness, an experience of Christian meditation called A Contemplative Spirit is available on both Podbean and on Apple Podcast and is entitled Meditation 13. I would also encourage you to take a moment to draw on the extraordinary gifts and resources available on a new website developed by the World Community for Christian Meditation entitled A Contemplative Path Through the Crisis.
It includes a range of online programs and resources which seek to support people during this time of COVID in not only surviving, but flourishing. Have a lovely week and I look forward to being with you next time.